Welcome to the FinTech One-on-One Podcast, episode number 306. This is your host, Peter Renton, chairman and co-founder of Lended FinTech. Before we start this episode, I want to tell you about a brand new event from Lended FinTech. FinTech Nexus, the Dealmakers Summit will be the first major in-person fintech event of the past 18 months. A hand-curated audience of venture capitalists, bankers, fintechs, and debt investors will be meeting face-to-face at an event 100% focused on doing deals. It will be happening in Miami on September 1st and 2nd. You can apply to join and find out more at lendit.com. Today on the show, we are talking freelancers, specifically banking for freelancers. I'm delighted to welcome Lilac Bar David. She is the CEO and co-founder of Lily. That's L-I-L-I. Now, Lily is a new digital bank built specifically for the freelance market. And I wanted to get her on the show because they're starting to get some decent traction and it's a massive market that has been certainly underserved for a long, long time. And Lily is trying to change that. That's their whole purpose. We get into what really are the unique challenges for freelancers today. We talk about why she decided to start a digital bank focused on this market. We talk about the different products they have, how the freelancers are using them, what's sort of the most popular feature that the freelancers are really spending time on. We talk about the impact the pandemic has had. We talk about their recent fundraise. They closed a sizable Series B pretty recently. They're focused on educational content and as well her vision for the future of It was a fascinating episode. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Lilac. Hi, thank you for having me. My pleasure. So I want to get uh, I want to get started by giving the listeners a little bit of background. This is not your first rodeo. Why don't you tell the listeners what you've done, just the highlights in your career to date? So I've been doing banking and payments for over the last 20 years. My founder and I were looking for an opportunity to solve new pain points. We were looking to create something that would actually make a difference within the U.S. market. And we narrowed it down to the freelance economy because freelance are currently underserved by the industry. And that is how we came up with Lily. Okay. Okay. So can we just go back and talk about your previous company, which called Pepper, which I believe is still going in Israel. Tell us a little bit about that and what you learned from that experience. So Pepper is a neobank very focused on a millennial experience. And when we built that, we wanted to change the experience millennials are having in regards to banking, payments, and investments. It was a huge, huge opportunity for us to make a difference within the local market. And we've learned so much from that specific experience. When we are looking at millennials and Gen Z in regards to their expectations from a banking experience, those are really very similar to other aspects of digital within their day-to-day life. So we try to create an experience that actually will be very similar to the lifestyles that they're adapting into right now. So that was for the Israeli market, right? So why did you decide to move to the US and really attack this market? I think the Israeli market is amazing and it's very entrepreneur, but it is also very small. Really, if you want to make a difference, if you want to create an impact, it has to be about the larger markets. I mean, the US is one of the largest ones out there. And we were looking for a segment that is big and growing and changing. 
And the intersection between the finance economy and the online economy was really, really interesting for us. And we were looking at the trends of the new generation and the future of work. And we implemented a lot of the know-hows that we gained from the Pepper experience into the overall products that we have built at Lily. Right. When you look at the freelance market, and obviously it's a growing market, it's a big market. What do you think is misunderstood or what do you think that traditional banks aren't really serving this market well? The digital banks are not really focused on it. What do you think that that people don't get about the freelancer market? I think first it's about defining the freelance economy as a category. It's not a consumer banking experience. It's not a business banking experience. It's a new defining category, which means that this is a freelance banking experience, which means that it specifically fits the segment that is balancing work and life that are also a consumer and managing a small business. Mm-hmm. And for them, it's not just about the banking. So they're looking for an all-in-one experience that will try to tackle each and every single challenge that they're facing in managing their day-to-day business and figuring out all-in-one app. So when we were looking at our product that we are offering at Lily. It was about combining the banking services with all of the other challenges, like real-time expense tracking, the tax tools, financial insights. We wanted to be in a position that we can actually help them save money and save time and figure out how do we better serve them with all of their specific pain points, not just the finance one, to make them focus on just their business and we can do the rest. So maybe you could just describe what are the products that you're offering? From our point of view, it was about making sure that we give them the best banking experience that we can offer, but also in addition to that, offer as many business tools as we can. First, it's from a banking point of view, they open a checking account with no account fees and no minimum balance requirements, and they can have access to a network of free ATMs. They can get early access to direct deposits uh, up to two days earlier. So from a banking point of view, they do have all of those different features that are available for them to manage their finance. But I think from a business point of view, we offer better experience in regard to tracking your expenses. So it's all happening in real time. Whenever you swipe a transaction, we pre-categorize it to the specific IRS category. So the only thing you have to do is swipe right or left, whether it's a business expense or a personal expense. And once you do that, everything else puts in that perspective. We generate your expense reports. We generate financial insights in regards to that. You will always know where you stand with your expenses and you are maximizing your deductibles. We're actually saving up to 60 hours and 1700 per year for a freelancer, which is a lot of money and a lot of time. We also offer a tax savings tool, which I feel makes a lot of sense for them. So whenever an income hits the account, we automatically set aside a percentage of that income that was predefined together in a tax bucket. So you will have enough money saved for taxes when the time comes and you will always know your true balance. All of those different features are in place to help them better manage their business and just stay focused on what they love to do. The taxation issue is a real problem because a lot of freelancers, when they first get going, they don't really think about it. And suddenly, they come April 15th, they have a big bill they have to pay. So are people using this for their business and personal lives? You said you swipe left for business, right for personal. Are you finding that people are using this account just as much for personal expenses as they are for business? Or how does it work there? 
Yeah, actually, when we are looking at the usage data that we have until today, almost 50% of the transactions are life, so personal, and then and the other 50 are business, work. And I feel like it's because those small businesses are actually a one operation show. They are managing everything, marketing and invoicing and payments and getting their service or product out there and so on. So from their point of view, it's just one individual managing everything. It makes a lot of sense for them just to have the separation between business and personal in just one account. They don't want to have to open two different accounts, which just creates more pain points. It might save time for accountants, but it creates a lot of hassle for the freelancers themselves. So of all those different things that you mentioned, what features do your freelance customers appreciate the most? I think they love the taxes. So in regards to expenses, Whenever they swipe the card, they categorize a transaction, they get a push notification or somebody actually described it's like dating my expenses within the app. (laughs) They like the fact that they can save money. So maximizing their deduction, there are a lot of freelancers not keeping tracks of receipts, which you don't have to by using Lily and not maximizing their deduction. I think the statistic is actually 70% of freelancers are actually overpaying their taxes. Interesting. So with Lily, that's solvable. The second feature that they all love is about taxes because you don't want to be in a situation that you didn't put aside the, the money for the taxes and then you have to break saving accounts, take a loan to pay your taxes and so on. You want to be in control of your finances. So can you tell us a little bit about the demographic of the customer base? I mean, you said with Pepper, you were focused on millennials. You're focused on freelancers. I imagine there's a bit of crossover, but what is the actual demographic? So a lot of our account holders are millennials and Gen Z because that age group is actually performing freelancers on a day-to-day basis. But we are, if you're looking at our demographics, it's actually everything you can think about it, from a programmer, an e-commerce shop owner, a beauty salon, a fitness instructor, a construction guy, drivers, delivery, dog walking. The freelance economy is actually now crossing a lot of different segments and we are live in all 50 states. We have consumers from all across. So it's definitely people that are more focused on freelance as a position for their main income. But we also have side hustlers because the pain points of managing a business is there. Even if you're doing that on top of a nine to five position or doing that as a hundred percent income. So I feel like if we're looking at the different challenges that they're facing, they all look for a simple solution to just manage it all in one. And when did you launch Lily? January, 2020. January, 2020. That's interesting timing then. So you had a couple of months before the pandemic hit and then... Just before, yes. Obviously, we know that millions of people lost their jobs and I know a lot of them turned to freelance work. So what was that like for you guys? And obviously, you didn't have much history before the pandemic, but what was that like? And have you sort of exceeded what you expect with new account signups because freelancing is becoming more popular? Yeah, I think at the beginning it was scary. You know, nobody knew what will be the overall impact of the pandemic and the recession and so on. From a freelance point of view, because of the pandemic and because of the recession, a lot of people actually seek independent work. Either it's a full time or in addition, you know, to diversify their income and so on. And the freelance economy actually grew tremendously over 2020 and 2021. And we expect that to be 50% of the population by the end of the year. 
So in just one year, we experienced 1,200% growth in customer acquisition. And we felt like the intersection between boom of the finance economy and also the fact that people were at home and branches, bank account didn't matter anymore because they were not able to go out. They were looking for different digital solutions in regards to finances. And I think the trend of becoming a freelancer and the second trend of looking for different digital financial solutions have actually helped us grow within that specific period. And I think people that were exposed to the advantages of becoming a freelancer will choose that specific occupation as a way to move forward. So can you give us a sense of what scale you guys are at today? We already have more than 200,000 accounts. We are fast in growth in that regard. Over the pandemic, a lot of women lost their jobs due to the COVID-19 implications. And many of them chose freelance work. So a lot of our rapid growth from a customer's base point of view is all of those women signing up to better support their businesses in regards to that. So do you have more women than men on the platform? Yeah, actually nearly 60% are women. That's really interesting. So do you still interface with the traditional bank account or are they doing things really just 100% within Lily? More than 50% are actually choosing Lily for a primary account. It's a shift. They start with exploring the product, exploring the offering and so on. And once they understand the benefit of saving money and saving time, they move from their traditional bank account to Lily as a primary account because the benefits are actually echoing when you use it for your time spending because you get everything organized, you get up the reports, the financial insights. So it makes sense that you will use Lily on a daily basis for overall income and expenses. So how are you getting the word out? Do you have partnerships with some of the freelance sites? Are you just doing it organically? I mean, what's been your process for awareness for Lily? We actually just recently signed with the Freelance Union to be their go-to solution for freelancers, but it is a mixed um, position. So we do direct, we build a brand. We also partner with a lot of those apps and comparison side and content side and so on. You know, it's about word of mouth at the end because the freelance community is really, really a close community and everybody's looking for good solutions to manage their business and recommendation is a big part of it. So then what's your business model? How are you guys making money? So whenever you swipe your card, we're making money, which is called interchange fees, which is fee that we're getting for transaction from the associations. And that's our main source of income. But we are also looking to offer more business tools and more banking solutions. So in regards to credit and so on. So those are all very important within our value proposition. We want to make sure that we are tackling all of the different challenges and making sure that we can offer the best solution for the freelance community. And so you don't have a banking license, I presume. So you're partnering with an existing bank. So can you tell us a little bit about that partnership and how you feel about the banking license going down that route? It is a very interesting question, actually. We do partner. We have an amazing banking partner, Choice Financial Group. They've been very supportive of our operation from day one. We are not looking for a license at this stage. I know that there are some challenger banks that chose the license path and others that didn't. And there are pros and cons in regards to every direction. I feel like in our position, if you choose wisely and you have a good partner, You can scale, you can introduce new products all around, you know, choose wisely on day one and you don't have a lot of issues at the end. 
I'm interested in choosing the partner bank because actually quite a few banks that are focused on fintechs to partner in this way. How was that process? First, it was about the people. We wanted to make sure that we are choosing wisely in regards to the partners that we are working with. It's a huge journey. It's not a one-year thing. So we wanted to make sure that they understand the value proposition, the product. They believe in the change that we are making within the economy. They believe in the future of work. They know that we can do better in regards to serving that specific community. So first, it was about the people behind it in regards to us communicating with them on a daily basis and working together to solve the issues. And at the end, it's also about what kind of products we can build on top of that. Can we offer both the deposit and credit? Can we offer the business tools on top of it and so on? So it's a mix of all of the above. You haven't mentioned credit yet. This population will obviously have a lot of credit needs. Is that in your pipeline? Definitely. We're working on it. If you're looking at that specific demographic in regards to traditional banks, they are very underserved because their income is not, from an expectation point of view, is not the same as a nine-to-five employee. Right. So they don't get paid every other week from the same employer. From a model point of view, they're just considered riskier and either they won't get credit or they will have to pay higher interest in regards to that. For us, when we have access to the account and we see the behavior of the account, we can better sell them. We can offer available, affordable credit products that will be based on the specific behavior of each and every one of them, taking into consideration their income sources, their income stability, their nine to five position in addition to their side hustle and so on. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about your recent fundraise. You had a sizable Series B fundraise that you closed recently. Can you tell us a little bit about the the investors there and how that process was like? We closed 55 million. It was led by Group 11 that have been supportive of Lily from day one with participation from Target Global, Torch Capital, Altair Group, and so on. Our investors really, really understand the pain points and the challenges the freelancers are facing, and they believe in the future of work. They're looking for specific solutions that are making a huge impact within the market. They're very fintech oriented. So they understand what needs to be done in order to build a successful fintech startup. They have been with us for a long period of time since we started, two and a half years, most of them. They know that this could become a huge thing for everybody and especially for the freelance community. The process is never easy. If you look at the newspapers, it's all about there's a lot of companies that are being funded, companies are doing IPOs. At the end, it's a long process. It's all about the brand, the positioning, the story, the overall impact within the market. At the end, it looks very easy, but it's not. We see the news articles coming out pretty much every day of some large funding round, and it just looks like there's so much money flowing around. You just got to have a decent idea and boom, you get a term sheet, but it's not, uh, it's not quite like that. So when I was browsing through your site a couple of days ago, I noticed that you do have quite a bit of educational content there. And I'm curious about what is it that is resonating with the freelancers? What do they really want to learn there? From day one, our position was that we want to empower the freelancers in different subjects. It could be about taxes. It could be about expenses. It could be how do I manage my business? How do I scale my business? Since the pandemic started, it was all around the resources available for the freelancers, whether it's PPP loans or unemployment and so on. There were so many resources available, but within the 
overall messaging and the panic regarding the pandemic, being locked at home and so on, we were afraid they will miss out on opportunities. So we decided to double down on content, making sure that the content is also available as a newsletter on a monthly basis. It's also available within the app. I think we are the only ones actually embedding all of those resources within the app experience, just to make sure that you don't miss out on specific things that you have to be aware of and knowledge that we want to make sure that is there. We also created a freelance guide with a lot of information in regards to all of the above. So just to make sure that you're educated. I think education is a huge pain point because a lot of those freelancers are actually young. They're young in age point of view, but also young in their freelance career. And they don't have a lot to lean on in regards to their family or friends and so on. So we wanted to be in a position that we will help them get the knowledge and know-how that they can better manage their business and scale and grow. You said earlier, a lot of these freelancers have similar problems. And I'm curious about how you're trying to build a community here. Is that something that's really top of mind for you guys? Or is it something that's going to happen down the track? First, we are working with communities and unions that are already out there for freelancers to make sure that they're aware of the tools and services that we are offering and collaboration in regards to content and performance. But also when we are looking at our community, we are trying to make sure that we are building something that will resonate within their community and make sure that they do have access to all of those different tools. So when we are building the content, it's very community related. So we are building content for the community of drivers, the community of fitness, the community of beauty, the e-commerce shoppers, and so on. We are trying also to create a lot of those different experiences that will fit the specific demographics and the specific occupation. And also in regards to the tools and services that we are offering, we are looking at the different segments of freelancers and trying to figure out what would be a good fit for that specific segment, because there are some products that could be different from one segment to another. There will be ones that are more market-based oriented, so they need to get access to the money immediately. There are ones that are more invoicing oriented, so they need to get invoicing features and payments and so on. So we're trying to look at the different aspects of every community of freelancers and making sure that we better serve them. Like some of the bigger communities, I imagine, are like the drivers for Uber and Lyft and, and DoorDash and those sort of things. Are you trying to build interfaces into those apps? I know they're huge, huge organizations these days, but a lot of people, particularly drivers, they like to get paid multiple times a day. But what's that process like for getting paid? So we're working with Visa in regards to Visa Direct. So whenever you want to get your money, you will just use the Lily card. And the money is available within 30 seconds. So it's extremely fast. So you can get access to your money and you don't have to pay any fees for that. And also when we are looking at the different options, we want to be there for every freelancer in every way they want to get paid. So we support early access to direct deposit. We also support mobile check deposit. We support cash deposit. So we have a lot of different ways that you can access your money better and better track your expenses in regards to the app. We've had the Visa Direct people on the show. They interface into many of these apps. So then how often are people wanting to get paid? Are people doing this daily, multiple times a day, weekly? Or does it vary between verticals? So it really depends on the segments. There are segments that are getting paid a few times a day. And there are others that are getting paid once a week. In regards to their method of payments, it could be very diverse. 
And it could be a mix of all of the above. So you can see a freelancer getting paid using the card, Visa Direct. They also will have a check deposit. They will also get cash. They will go to a cash location that we are offering to deposit the cash and so on. And whenever an income hits the account, they will get a push notification. They will get an email. So they will always know the money is there and available immediately. And also the tax bucket feature, which means that we can take together a percentage and move it into the tax bucket. Their overall balance is actually the true balance and they are safe to spend it. Is that tax bucket, is that just like a savings account that they're sort of set aside? How does that work? It is a sub account. It's not a saving account. It's a sub account. The money is there. If you want to move it back to the checking account, you can. We recommend that you save it for the tax season. But it's all done very automatically. We set the percentage. It's based on the expected income and expenses for the year. And we set a percentage specifically for you. Even if there is an emergency, if you need it, you can access it immediately. We also try to make sure that you are behaving in a better way from a financial point of view. So we introduced during the pandemic, the emergency bucket feature, which is another bucket that you can save as little as a dollar a day. So you will have money set aside for emergencies. We wanted to make sure that everybody will have access to at least $400 if they needed in regards to emergencies. We're almost out of time, but a couple more things I want to get to. You've now built a digital bank offering in Israel and you're building one in the United States. Tell us a little bit about which is more challenging between the two countries. I think the overall challenges of freelancers are the same. Within both countries, the U.S. economy is more used to financial products. So they are, from a trust point of view, they're willing to try and give a chance for any fintech-related solution in regards to that and making sure that they test the product and if it's good, they will stay. And I think that's one thing that is very different. From a regulation point of view, it is very similar, but within the U.S. economy, you have a lot of different solutions that you can integrate with in regards to KYC and AML and backend processing and also the support from Visa. It is very similar from a banking point of view. Interesting. So then last question, you know, the freelance markets, obviously, it's huge. And as you pointed out, it's growing. I'd love you to end with sort of giving the listeners your vision. Where are you guys taking this? So we definitely want to be the go-to solution for freelancers. If you're starting your business as a small business owner or self-employed, or even if it's just a side hustle, we want to be the solution that you will choose on day one to manage all of your finances and all of your business aspects. So the go-to and all-in-one experience that will tackle all of your different needs as a freelancer and looking to solve that on day one in a very, very simple and easy way and very engaging way. We want to make sure that we are supporting the growth of the freelance economy. We believe that the future of work is freelancing and we are building a new generation of employees that are actually self-employed and making sure that we offer that one-stop shop for freelancers that will include all of those different types of resources. We'll have to leave it there. Best of luck, Lilac. I really appreciate you coming on the show today. It's fascinating learning about your company. Thank you. Okay. See ya. Bye-bye. Yeah, as we just discussed there, the freelance market is huge. There's no questioning that, and it is going to get bigger. It just makes sense that freelancers will be drawn to a digital banking offering that is tailored to their needs because freelancers do have specific needs. They're different to a small business, necessarily different to a consumer. 
they're really a blend of the two and that's what Lily is doing here trying to create something unique that is appealing to the freelance market and you know, clearly whether it's Lily or somebody else someone is going to own this space it's going to be a very sizable business I would expect and you know, the freelance market I think there's so many ways you can take it there's so many ways that you can build community there and uh, Lily is, uh, is off to a great start. Anyway, on that note, I will sign off. I very much appreciate you listening and I'll catch you next time. Bye. Before we go, I want to remind you about the brand new event from Lended Fintech. Fintech Nexus, the Dealmakers Summit, will be the first major in-person fintech event of the past 18 months. A hand-curated audience of venture capitalists, bankers, fintechs, and debt investors We'll be meeting face-to-face at an event 100% focused on doing deals. It'll be happening in Miami on September 1st and 2nd. You can apply to join and find out more at lendit.com.